Welcome to the Life Right Here, Inner Medicine Tools for Present Moment Living. I'm your host, Emma Waters, yoga teacher, educator, and inner medicine coach. We'll explore all things yoga, Ayurveda, and contemplative practice to give you practical tools and insight to reduce overwhelm, soothe the nervous system, and remind you of who you are at your core, right here in this moment. The Life Right Here is your weekly prescription of peace, presence, and power. Let's tune in. Welcome to episode 42 of the Life Right Here podcast. If you're new around here, this is a podcast that delves into the wisdom traditions of yoga and Ayurveda, as well as using reflection and contemplation to bring more peace, presence, or awareness and power to the daily lives of regular humans. And what I mean by regular humans is my intention is to honour and witness the daily struggles we all face in a very real and down-to-earth way. You don't have to be at a certain level of practice to tune in here. I aim to deliver really practical tips for living with more ease. Today's episode covers why performing asana is not enough to warrant being called yoga. And I use the word performing there in inverted commas because a lot of the yoga presented on social media up until the past few years really has been very performative in nature. Although the tides are changing there, but I don't know how that is filtering down to modern yoga studios. I still see an obsession with a particular aesthetic and a focus on a certain kind of body, but we're not going into that today so much. It also covers what our yoga practice is training us for. What's the purpose? And we'll look at necessary aspects of spiritual practice if we're really serious about walking a spiritual path towards ultimately peace. First up, I want to note that anyone who's ever come to a yoga class or workshop of mine knows that I do teach quite a strong physical yoga practice, asana practice, unless you've come to a yin class. (laughs) That's quite different. I've always been someone who loves to move my body strongly. And actually, this is a funny side note to illustrate this, but we went on the June long weekend this year to Emerald Beach. It's a beautiful little surf community just north of Coffs Harbour. We love it there. And we stayed one house back from the beach. It was the perfect spot. But when we arrived on the Friday evening, I said to Josh and Marley, right, let's get up tomorrow early and just do so much exercise that our whole body aches at the end of the day. We can run in the morning, do some yoga, have a surf, do a big bushwalk. And they both just looked at me blankly. (laughs) And Marley said, Mum, you're not with Arnie Lucy, which is so funny because Marley has experienced what a weekend away with Auntie Lucy looks and feels like, and she feels exhausted just thinking about it. (laughs) I might add that no one got up early with me. Lucy would have. I got up to run up the headland, practice yoga, meditate with the kangaroos, jog along the beach, and then I had a swim. That was all before sunrise. (laughs) But Josh did come for a surf, so that was great. So I do love to move 
I'm not discounting the practice of yoga asana as an important part of spiritual discipline. And it's a starting point. But if that's all a yoga practice is, then there's a gap there in what is ultimately a spiritual practice. I remember on a podcast years ago, I heard a teacher who I quite admired at that time. And she said to a guest on her show, you can't talk about yoga philosophy in a general yoga class. People are coming to move. They'll be turned off, something along those lines. And they were kind of sniggering about it. Honestly, I was shocked. And I actually never listened to another episode. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I am a Scorpio, so uh, I can be fairly brutal when I want to be. But it really bugged me. Because if you're teaching in a way that considers whether people will be put off by the actual truth and philosophy and sacredness or the mere mention of the divine or spirit in your class, then you're not teaching yoga. If you care more about how many numbers of people you'll get to class by making it all about the physical or also all about love and light and transcendence because of a fear of making people uncomfortable by talking about pain and suffering, then you're only teaching half the practice. And it can't be called a spiritual practice. In my experience of teaching in a way that acknowledges how hard it is sometimes to be human, people feel seen and accepted and reassured. Jack Cornfield, the legendary mindfulness teacher, says that almost everyone who undertakes a true spiritual path will discover that a profound personal healing is a necessary part of his or her spiritual process. And if you've not practiced a lot of physical yoga, the yoga asana, or you have, but you've not been given the opportunity to be still and to be with what arises, then you may not even be aware that there's anything to actually be healed. If you're only moving and doing and striving for the next thing, then you're not looking at what's right here. I'm actually reading one of Jack Cornfield's books right now called A Path with Heart and it has inspired today's episode but in it he relays that his teacher, Buddhist monk Achan Chah, I hope that's how you pronounce it, <laughs> said if you haven't cried deeply a number of times your meditation hasn't really begun. And I laughed when I read that. <laughs> it's so true. And it reminded me of actually one of my students who refers to my yin yoga and mantra medicine class as crying yoga because after it, she goes home and cries for a good hour or so. I may have mentioned that before, actually. But that can be scary if you don't have an experienced teacher who's been through that process themselves to reassure you that it's all okay. In fact, it's wonderful news. And I actually do a little fist pump when someone tells me they've cried, (laughs) either during Shavasana or after class at home. And I just say to myself, yes, mission accomplished. But I'm a big crier. It could be scary if you're not a crier. But crying is a clearing. Oh, It's just such a cleansing of deep layers built up, sometimes over many years. Layers of tension in the body that are holding those experiences that you haven't been open to processing. 
And this quote about crying also made me reflect on my own yoga journey. And I think the first time I had that big breakdown or breakthrough, really, and it was actually after a Bikram's class. And yes, I know he's deeply problematic, but it was early days and I was experimenting with different styles of yoga and the heat of that practice pushes you to somewhere else. It's not always safe, but anyway, I remember it was at Brookvale on Sydney's Northern Beaches and class had finished. I went to have a shower. I might have told this story before too. <laughs> Please excuse me if I have, but you, you literally soak through with sweat after one of those classes, but I just remember bawling and bawling and continuing to bawl as I went back out to the reception desk and the teacher, Jody, I remember her name was there and she just reassured me it's a good thing. Jack Cornfield says that many people first come to spiritual practice hoping to skip over their sorrows and wounds, the difficult areas of their lives. They hope to rise above them and enter a spiritual realm full of divine grace, free from all conflict. And some spiritual practices actually do encourage this. They teach ways of accomplishing this through intense concentration or breath work that bring about states of rapture and peace. It can be euphoric and people get addicted to that state. Some powerful yogic practices can transform our mind. And of course, for many people, there's great benefit and value for them. But inevitably, it leads to disappointment because as soon as we relax back into daily life and relax this sense of discipline, we come to face, we reunite with all the unfinished business of the body and the heart that we were trying to leave behind. And it becomes another way that we avoid our own reality. I think there's definitely that feel in some circles in Byron Shire where I live. It's airy and light and feels wonderful initially. It draws you in. But for me, if it's not grounded in the body here and now in ways that are applicable to my daily life as a mum, as a teacher, as an employee, a business owner, a wife, a sibling, a daughter, a friend, I'm not interested. I don't want to rise above my life. I want to be present for everything in my life with an open heart and with a trust that I can hold it all. I want to cultivate, as Jack says, a heart that rejects nothing. And I remember Ram Das always told a story about when he returned from India as a young man after many years with his guru and he was in this state of holiness and really on high from such intense practice. He described it as just kind of beaming light. He'd been in a very disciplined ashram environment and he came home to live with his father, who in one comment, and I think it was something like, so when are you going to get a job? <laughs> he was brought back to earth with a thud. So triggered by one comment. And he always said that about family. They know how to get you and bring you back to planet Earth. He was so triggered because he'd not sufficiently addressed 
underlying pain and suffering in his own heart. For me, yoga has to be a practice that accustoms or trains us to be willing to open to physical experiences without struggling against them, to live in our bodies. Rather than living a few feet away from our bodies because it's uncomfortable to be in a human body often. Because as we gradually include in our awareness what we've been trying to shut out and neglect or ignore, our body heals. It's an opening to life as it is in each and every moment. That is the hallmark of a deeper spiritual practice. And it's a practice of satya, truthfulness, which I talked about in episode 40. It leads to healing and an improvement in our life experience because we make changes slowly that we need to make. And we're no longer willing to neglect areas of life that are calling for us to make changes. And our practice of yoga and meditation can help us find out in what ways we're neglecting our physical body and what our body asks of us, but also then as we deepen our practice, what ways we're neglecting our energy, our mental state, pushing emotions down or constantly keeping busy so we don't have to take a closer look. We learn to listen to what our body is asking of us, but also our energy, our mind, and ultimately our heart. We can connect to our own heart through our body, through our physical practice, and through awareness and attention in stillness. It is true inner medicine. So just a few questions. If you're practicing yoga, does your practice include time to be still and to notice what's present right here in this moment? Does it honor whatever is arising? Do you adapt your practice to suit what's present? If you attend a class that does not give much time for stillness, are you incorporating or how can you incorporate stillness into your life in other small ways? Have you committed to a path of practice in some way, a daily practice that would gently allow you to take a closer look internally? So I'm not talking about just daily exercise. A practice that supports you to open to and be with whatever's right here. Or are you practicing sporadically or in bursts? There's no judgment here for me. I just want to encourage you to commit to yourself and to your life, to doing something daily that will move you toward an awareness of your inner landscape. Start with five minutes. Maybe it's joining a local yoga class, which is not going to be five minutes, but that's something other way that you can do it. <laughs> or practicing some asana yourself, that could be five minutes. Perhaps it's just simple breathing practices or a guided meditation or just sitting still for a few minutes. It could be even committing to listening to this podcast and setting aside time to contemplate and reflect to really engage with the content or other content that you're reading or listening to rather than just listening. It might be attending a retreat. I have one coming up in October in the Blue Mountains. Or 
maybe it's engaging a coach or teacher to be your guide. There's so many ways to do this. Just pick one and stick to it. Give it some time. Or maybe the question needs to be, what are you allowing to be more important than your physical, energetic, mental, emotional and spiritual health and well-being overall right now? And are you okay with that? Yoga brings more consciousness to our daily lives so that we're not allowing unhealed, unconscious forces to run the show. It opens us to parts of ourselves that are beyond the physical. It gives a direct experience of those parts. Remember, I'm always just a message away if something struck you today or you need more support or guidance with something that comes up, just reach out. And I have some exciting news to finish with. Please keep an eye out. Everybody, no matter where you are in the world. (laughs) Coming up next month is the first in a line of monthly free webinars that I'll be running called, at this stage, I'm thinking it's going to be called Inner Medicine. And each one will have a theme for contemplation, practices to participate in together. And probably even some yoga, movement, they'll all be different. It's an online get-together, a community to feel supported, to be together on our spiritual path, or to begin on your path if this is new to you, and to bring more peace, presence, and power to daily life. They'll be on Zoom. Recordings will be available for two weeks after for those who can't attend live. This is a chance for you as a podcast listener to meet up with others that are listening virtually. There's great power in coming together in this way. And it's a transformation in the format of the Sadhana series. If you join me for that earlier this year, it'll be similar, but live and just a shorter one hour format. So I hope you'll join us. I'll be releasing the link for registration in the next couple of weeks. The first one is September 21. So if you're listening to this after that date, we've already started. So go to the link in my bio on Instagram at Jala, J-A-L-A underscore yoga underscore Shala, S-H-A-L-A to register for the next one. Or you can find it on my website, Jala Yoga and Coaching, no gaps, dot com dot au. And you'll find it in the menu tab, upcoming events. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely week and I'll be back soon.